Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Janusz Michalik, jak się czujesz? Bardzo dobrze. Jak ty, Karolina? Welcome to our show, Kickback, presented by Betway. And for all of our English listeners, I just had to ask Janusz Michalik today, who's our guest from ESPN, how he's doing, how he's feeling in Polish. Because we're both from Poland, or my family's from Poland, Janusz is from Poland. We have to give a shout out to the homeland. So Janusz, thank you very much. We know that you're a very busy man. Champions League, Premier League, Valentine's Day, so much going on today. So thank you for being on our show. Oh, my pleasure. So what's going on with you right now? What's your day look like? Champions League coverage, anything crazy? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just Champions League. You know, obviously the weekends are, are really busy um, uh, when it comes to Champions League. You know, I mean, this week, uh, today and tomorrow, I'm not doing the games. I'm, I'm working Thursday to summarize some of the Champions League and 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 Europa League. I think the Barcelona against uh, Manchester United game. Um, so you know it depends on the week. Uh, next week I'll probably be working on you know on the day of the Champions League. So it's normal. I also will do some stuff for Polish television as well, remotely obviously uh, about all that stuff. So you know the weeks are pretty pretty similar. Um, you know Premier League is is my major league that I cover, but obviously I, you know, I talk about La Liga um, um, or, or Bundesliga or, you know, Serie A, even though we don't have the rights anymore, but I miss it because <laughs> we've had it for, you know, 20 plus years and it seems like um, it was my baby to a degree, but uh, so I, I keep an eye, of course, on what's happening uh, uh, there as well. What's your favorite team in Serie A? So I know if if, if we're going to be friends on this show. Well, it's Milan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's always been, uh, you know, I mean, it's been for a while, but I mean, obviously I haven't played against them, uh, although I've played against some other teams. But yeah, Rigosaki Milan, I had the chance to play against them. Um, you know, that was a special team. So it sticks with you. Although, I mean, you know, I, I think I don't know if we all, but most people sort of uh, have their main team that they support. Mm -hmm. uh, that's usually from, you know, where they are. But, uh, you know, I think to make it fun, you always have a team in every league that you sort of prefer or you like. So, uh, uh, so you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a devoted Milan fan, although I watch, I think, every game. But obviously not the same as if I were Italian and lived in Milan. And, and you know, that was my team. Janusz, we're going to get into predictions in Champions League here in a little bit because uh, I want to get into kind of how your career started. But just so I have a peace of mind, who do you have winning today, AC Milan or Tottenham? Ooh, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about it because I, I think I'm going to have to talk about it. Both teams are struggling a little bit, right? I, I mean, uh, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Milan gets something out of it. I mean, finally won a game, but, but Spurs... I mean, Spurs, you know, Benton, Corzal, Sassanion, number of uh, Hugo Lloris and, 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 you know, number of players are injured, uh, injured key players. And uh, Pierre-Emerick Hoybier, who's very, very yep. important, is suspended. So when you look at that center of the pitch, I mean, there's talk about Eric Dyer playing in the center of the midfield as well. So I, I think I, you know, I worry uh, about Spurs. Antonio Conte obviously coming back, uh, you know, to Italy. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling that it, it'll be Milan. 
a draw at the very least. I mean, it'd be a massive surprise if Spurs win that. I, I felt the same way when I saw that AC Milan drew Tottenham. I said it's not the the worst thing for AC Milan, but then we went into this stretch where I believe they conceded 13 goals in four games and only scored two. Mm. And I was like, what's going on? And obviously we know the situation with Magnon, but it's it's been a kind of a stressful time for AC Milan fans. You know, we went through that 11-year period without winning anything, finally won our Scudetto, and now we expect this team to continuously keep going. But I think this year's also different in the sense where these footballers, these players, you know, are dealing with club football, Champions League football. Some of them went to the World Cup and now it's a new year and it's the same thing. So we'll see what Champions League is like here today. It's a completely different tournament. You know what it's like as a player, you know, clubs, one thing, you know, but now you're in the Champions League. It's a different type of environment. It's a different kind of tournament. So I'm so excited. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully as an AC Milan fan today, I'm crying tears of joy because it would be a nice win. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it would be. I mean, you know, if you when you talk about Milan, I think you have to take the good with the bad and the good being last season because uh, it, it was an yes. overachievement. No, no questions about that. Uh, uh, and this year, I think we're kind of seeing, you know, because this Milan team, in my opinion, is randomly put together. I, I just, <laughs> I just don't see a rhyme or reason and the sort of players that you could understand that either it's a longer term project or, or it's for now, it's sort of in between now type of thing. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't even want to talk about the fact that, you know, the players that are there now are nowhere near to what it was once because, you know, I mean, it's just different times, but, but again, I, I think it's just a random, <laughs> random uh, team. Just, just, you know, a lot of good players, but as a team, I, I don't, see a direction or 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 clear identity uh that milan show but but you know having said that again they'll have an opportunity uh, uh today because uh both teams are struggling a little bit but uh, i think with spurs there's a lot of pressure on them and this is a, well, let's put it this way a great opportunity for milan to actually get a win going back to london I love to uh, I love to hear that in terms of uh, no identity and no clear direction with where they're going. For some reason, when you say that, the first team that pops into my mind is Chelsea right now. And I know I'm kind of throwing you into the Premier League, mm -hmm. but quickly, what are your thoughts on Chelsea? Is Graham Potter the problem? Does Potter need more time? Should Chelsea have never fired Tuchel? And or is this a team that, you know, has all of this superstar power? Enzo Fernandez was one of my favorite players from the World Cup, you know, among others, you know, Zhao Felix. I don't necessarily think Zhao Felix is the answer to their problems, but is it more so of they need more time with Potter or uh, this is just a club that is lacking that identity right now? Mm, yeah, let me put it differently. I, I think this team has a clear direction. I mean, it's it's, okay. I, it's, it's very clear. Uh, I mean, you know, identity you have to work on. Uh, but when you, you know, get 17 players in and, you know, I don't even know how many in January, uh, that's going to take time. But the clear identity is simple. I mean, this is this is a team that went through uh, Armageddon. I mean, you know, you couldn't think of that. You couldn't think. You couldn't think of a scenario, if you, even if you try. If you were to say that Chelsea's going to falter one day and badly, you'd come up with so many different ideas than what happened to them and the war in Ukraine and Russia, Abramovich, and all of a sudden this team's for sale. This this, this is a team that was, uh, you know, I don't want to say bankrupt, but remember, I mean, they they couldn't. They had to take buses and suspended and all of that stuff. So I mean, that's unfortunate. Now, I mean, the whole thing was. The, the right thing to do, but when you just concentrate on football, 
and, you know, forget about being just self-righteous uh, for these players and for the fans. I mean, it's just crazy what happened, right? That they went from a, a an owner who, who, was all about winning and winning now, who had a lot of money and was willing to spend it and lose it because he was losing money. No questions mm -hmm. about that. I mean, you know, uh, he was putting money every time he needed a player. It didn't matter how much it cost. If it was an experienced, pl experienced player and a winner, he'd get him. Um, it wasn't great for the books, I suppose, but he didn't care because he had that money and he had that money to lose. Um, and, and so all of a sudden, new owner comes in, an American who either is trying to make everybody forget about Roman Abramovich and his way of doing things, or just thinks differently saying, this is going to be a team that may be winning trophies differently and in the future. And it's certainly, uh, um, you know, buying a very young, young players mm -hmm. in the last Premier League game. I think they had seven starters under the age of 24, which is very unusual from the older ways of uh, that I was just mentioning. So I think as you see it here, he's willing to throw money at it. And from where everything I understand from what we read from our sources is that Graham Potter is the man. It doesn't matter what the results are going to be. And, and he's going to want to have him not just next season, but for the seasons to come now. I believe that, but I also know the reality of things uh, is such that you can say all you want about how much you trust and, and like and want uh, a Graham Potter. But, you know, there comes a point if, if, if you don't see that development, and I don't know when that's going to happen. Of course, Graham Potter won't be the man. I believe, and I said it earlier already, that uh, he's going to be here for the rest of the season. But I do think that Chelsea has to finish season strong just to show that even with so many chances that there is some identity because right now uh direction is there but the identity is missing so that's the thing you know grand potter i believe the stat was that he'd won two out of 13 games recently and i believe chelsea most recently played west ham united where they ended up drawing that game so it comes to this conversation now where fans are like bring tuchel back but at some point fans weren't happy with tuchel because they said he played too defensively then you bring up potter who's highly revered by a lot of very good managers right now you've heard klopp say really good things pep say really good things so yeah i'm not sure at this point in time like what should be happening with potter but you would have to assume at some point if Chelsea's not finding a way to win and I'm and I'm not even saying against Arsenal or City like against a West Ham United with the players that they had on the field and I don't believe in sacking coaches right away I do think that managers need some time but I, I am curious if Potter if Potter is the guy for Chelsea maybe that's the right way to put how I'm feeling. Ten Hag has proven that he's the right guy for United. And I know he's had a long more time with United than Potter's had with Chelsea. But I think with the players that Potter has and Todd Bowley supporting his every move, you think that they would at least start piecing together a team that is putting together results at this point in time. The fan base seems worried. The fan mm -hmm. base now is like, bring Tuchel back. Well, I mean, they're not used to it, uh, first and foremost, um, and that's why they worried. But, uh, you know, a couple of things with Thomas Tuchel, you, you have to, uh, you know, you have to remember it was more about the players. Players did not enjoy playing for mm -hmm. it. A lot of players did not enjoy playing for Tuchel, right? Uh, because we know how he is. And, you know, the many of them have said, you know, like, you know, playing next to him on the sideline and just, they just didn't enjoy it because the way he goes about things. So I think that was the move, uh, 
that's why that move happened. Uh, it wasn't because Thomas Tuchel wasn't a good manager because he's proven mm-hmm. already uh, that he is. So I, I don't think, if, even with younger players, I don't think that Thomas Tuchel will be even considered by uh, uh, by Chelsea and Todd Bowley. Uh, that's just my opinion. Um, uh, so 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 that's one thing in terms of you know winning things. I think, and this is just my guess, but I think haven't been in situations like this similar, obviously not at that level, but um, I think they've written the season off. I mean, you know, to a degree, you could say Liverpool has as, as well. Uh, uh, although, you know, yesterday was a big win. You know, when I say written off, maybe the Premier League. It, 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 Obviously, they'll, they'll give it a push. And if you go on a run, anything's possible. But I think there's a full understanding, um, you know, and, and maybe it had to be explained to Todd Bowley because, you know, we, we read, you know, we heard about it that he, he thought he'd be in the Champions League every year. That's just automatic, but it is. <laughs> But I think at the end of the day, looking at their position, look, looking at what they've done, they everybody there understands that getting to Champions League is going to be impossible. So having said that, I think Grand Potter is going to get that time. I think it's difficult now because the Champions League is still there. And, you know, for, you know, for as long as they, you yeah. know, this is going to be interesting what happens tomorrow, because I think I think. You know, that team, Chelsea, Grand Potter, and, and the whole organization understands that anything's possible. Those are two games against a very good Borussia Dortmund team who overnight kind of changed things around a little bit mm-hmm. uh, for themselves. Uh, but it's an opportunity, and it's late in the stage where where it's, it's possible. But when it comes to the Premier League and getting this team together... I mean, it's hard. I mean, there's no time to train. You just introduce, you know, how many players that, you know, they're, they're just learning about each other, right? I mean, they know their names, I suppose, but uh, yeah. it, it's not that easy when you play in every two or three days and you have to integrate all these players and you basically have no training sessions, right? Because after the game, it's kind of nice and easy. And then, you know, the day before the, another game comes. So I think, so I think that's difficult. That's why I think that, and again, I'll repeat that. I think some sort of progress, even if it's small, a one or two or three good wins in a decent mm-hmm. style where, where fans can say, wow, that was pretty nice. Young players shown this are needed for the rest of the season to sort of give that confidence to the team, to Grant Potter, but most importantly to Todd Bowley, who's probably looking for that, for the little things to see that this longer term project needs to be with, uh, with Grant Potter. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you even know from a player's perspective, Janusz, what momentum can do for you. And I agree with you. Liverpool's not winning the Premier League this season. You know, last year they were headlining for the quadruple. This year they're mid in the table. But that win against Everton, even though it was Everton who possibly could be facing relegation, could give them momentum to have a good game against Newcastle, hopefully a win. And then they're playing against Real Madrid in the Champions League. And maybe that's an opportunity for Liverpool to kind of get that momentum going and gain that confidence in their team with very talented players, Gakpo, Nunes, Salah, you know, Gakpo and, and Salah getting big monkeys off of their back against Everton. So momentum's everything and it can carry you. So it would be nice to see that for Chelsea and their fans. And I'm very curious to see what Todd Bowley does with Chelsea. Uh, you know, I, I know the perspective sometimes with these Americans coming in and, you know, Todd Bowley even talking about how he wants an all-star game. It wasn't well received, but, you know, it's, it's it, for me as someone who played here in North America, 
seeing like example Leeds United, all of these American footballers, you know, these American players going and playing there and doing well. And I know, you know, the, their manager got fired, but it's nice to see the integration and maybe that pipeline now for all of these North American players to start getting into the best league in the world, which is the Premier League. So I wish Chelsea success. I do think it's going to take time, but sometimes I do think like, you know, when they have all these really talented players, that identity is maybe missing right now, but it'll take time to reach. Uh, absolutely. I mean, sometimes you have to change things and the sooner you see mm -hmm. it, the better it is. Right. I mean, because sometimes you can be late to it. Uh, I think you could say that maybe about Arsenal in the past, Manchester United to a degree. Look how long these clubs have been out mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, major trophies uh, really for the most for the most part by by their lofty standards. So Liverpool is another one. I mean, we all know changes need to happen. It, it is similar to Chelsea and it isn't. It isn't because, uh, look, both, both teams had unbelievable amount of injuries. Uh, and, you know, for yes. Chelsea, though, they were able to reload even though with the young players, but, you know, they've got some buddies in, whereas uh, uh, Liverpool had so many key players out and, you know, Co Cody Gakpo was the only uh, player that came in. Now they are getting some players back, as we saw Bobby Firmino uh, came back, Diogo Jota came back, although Diogo looked like he was mm -hmm. out for four months. <laughs> so that's going to take a little bit of time as well. Um, uh, Van Dijk uh, is on the bench and, you know, perhaps there's going to be another player or two uh, eventually coming back as well. But yes, there's talent if they were all available I think you'd see Liverpool in a better position I still don't know if they'd be in a position I mean they wouldn't be in a position to win it but maybe closer to top four Simply yeah. because, simply because you could see that 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 cycle, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a malaise there, and Jurgen Klopp has to find a way. That's on him. That's you know, you, you can easily mm -hmm. say about players, but you know, they've done. We see this with everybody. It's it eventually it's just difficult to inspire players or players be inspired every game, especially with the style of play that Jurgen Klopp demands uh, from every player every game. That that is not easy, but uh, but it, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, what Liverpool do in, in the summer. I believe this is a critical, critical summer for Liverpool because if they don't do the right things, then you're going to see Liverpool really entering another season, maybe two or three, where you know they may lose players, key players, because they will, will want to you know, be in the big competitions and, and, you know, you're hoping if you Liverpool fan that it's not going to be the Arsenal, Manchester United um, or Chelsea. Uh, well, I don't know if I'd speak about Chelsea yet because they're just entering that. Right. Uh, um, so, so yeah, critical, critical summer for Liverpool. My uh, my dad, my tatush, he's the biggest Liverpool fan. So I feel like right now I have to say you never walk alone. He's been going through it a little bit this season. And of course, me being an AC Milan fan, we're always just going back and forth because we never forget that one Champions League final. Uh, and that's yeah. forever. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, but that one where... That one where AC Milan was, I believe, was it 2005? Where Milan was leading at halftime. Oh, my goodness. I was at that game. I was, I was at that game for ESPN uh, when when Dudek was making that crazy oh. save. So. Uh, by the way, I, you know, you have to be careful. Yeah. But, you know, I have a very, everybody knows 
that I have a very soft spot for Liverpool. But yeah, then then of course they lost. Uh, uh, you know, it was another final year after, and uh, uh, and Milan won that one. But yeah, uh, look, I mean, those are the you know days where where Milan were dominant. Liverpool maybe um, not as much, but it was obviously a, a great season, great comeback. Uh, I mean, you know, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, Gerard, uh, but I think we all know know that. So uh, yeah, I mean, Liverpool will want to reclaim that. So is Milan. Uh, those are two marquee names two of the biggest clubs in, in history of football. You bring up Jerzy Dudek. That makes me want to go all the way back to Poland. Janusz, we appreciate your valuable insight and your knowledge. So thank you so much. But I need to ask oh, you, so you know, nice. you grew up, uh, come on, you're, you're legendary. So you grew I'll, up in I'll Poland. Every, I'll do this with you every day. Perfect. Listen, same time, same show. We'll have you every single day. But uh, for me, it's super interesting because you were born in Poland, grew up in Poland. Your dad, I'm assuming, I'm just going to assume is probably a, a, an instrumental person in your life who probably inspired the football in your life. Uh, yeah. And you played on that junior team. So what was that like for you? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, when you're in a house, when you have a professional, you know, soccer player, <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you go towards that, I suppose, uh, uh, you know, especially back then. I mean, you know, football in Poland is, is, is everything right. I mean, there are other sports that are very successful as well, but, you know, like just about everywhere else in the world, that's number one sport. And uh, in those days growing up, obviously we had some great teams and, and great club teams who were uh, in Europe. And, you know, my dad played European Cups as well. So, um, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I grew up watching him play in the same club. And, you know, when you go through the ranks and you're the ball boy, when, you know, your dad's playing against the likes of, you know, back then Bologna, Feyenoord, P PSV, Eindhoven and European Cups, uh, uh, that leaves a mark. So, so no doubt about that. So then you moved to the U.S. And since you never played for the senior team in Poland, that unlocked the potential for you to play right. for the American team. What was that transition like for you? Because you've had a successful career with the U.S. Well, I mean, it was it was surprising because, I, you know, it wasn't something that I was thinking about or mm -hmm. actively going after. So that was that, that I think, you know, that was the beauty of that career, of my career. And, and just kind of, you know, for everybody out there, you just you just don't know these things. Right. I mean, uh, life is life, as I say sometimes, uh, because I, I didn't. I came here. Uh, you know, my dad was already here. I ended up playing indoor soccer because that's all there was back then. Uh, I didn't even think of. Uh, well, I mean, I thought my goodness i hope there's a, a worthwhile league that i can play outdoors uh never really thought about uh, about you know the u.s national team back then they were in 1990 the world cup in italy uh and i came, came in right after that but i mean i just barely made it i just got my u.s passport and i wasn't you know i did it I don't want to say the right way, but the normal way, way mm -hmm. back when, where, you know, I had to be a permanent resident for five years because before I could even think about becoming, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, the citizen. So timing was right. I was doing it as a private citizen, not to play for somebody. We know these days that sometimes you can get that passport a little bit quicker uh, if the Federation goes for it. That wasn't the case uh, back then. Certainly not a, because you know, the popularity of soccer wasn't as high and I, I don't know if it would have been that easy, but uh, to make a long story short, I, 
I, you know, it just happened. It really did. And a lot of went into it. One of the Polish coaches that uh, coached here, John Kowalski, uh, became an interim coach for about three or four months. And and he put my name in it when Boramilutinovic uh, asked for a list of, I don't know, 100 players, whatever it was. And, you know, I got called into this large wow. camp. I don't know what it was. So, uh, you know, a lot of luck for sure, a little bit of coincidence, and and that's how it went. And uh, so you never know where the chance is going to come from and, and when. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I say that's destiny. You were supposed to be a footballer. Yeah. yeah. It could have been. Yeah, it could have been a really no thought or, or, you know, on my part in terms of, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to play for the U S team mm -hmm. and those are the steps and I'm going to take them. Uh, that wasn't the case. Well, they say that's when all the amazing thing hap things happen when you kind of release the outcome and you're just doing what you're doing and life right. hands you everything that you're supposed to be destined to experience. So that is so cool. And obviously, like the transition that you made from Poland to the US, that's not an easy thing to do on a personal side of things. Mm -hmm. And of course, in sports. So congratulations to you, Janusz. And uh, you, I, I just have... Thank you. Of course. Uh, I want to ask you, though, with your with your experience with the U.S. program and someone who's played for the American team, what are what are your thoughts now of seeing what the U.S. team did in Qatar at that World Cup? Because I know a lot of people didn't give the U.S. almost enough credit. Everyone almost assumed that they wouldn't have got it, gotten out of that World Cup group, at least outside of the U.S. So what are your thoughts on all of this talent that's on that squad? Because honestly, it blew me away. You know, Tyler Adams was one of my favorite players to watch at the World Cup, and he's so solid, and you see him even for Leeds United. So what's the potential look like for this U.S. team? And especially in 2026, you know, Canada, USA, Mexico, it's such a massive opportunity to open that door for soccer and football to be the biggest sport in North America. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I was one of those, I mean, doubters, not necessarily coming out of the group, but I mean, you know, the style of play. I mean, I was in Qatar. Mm -hmm. I, I did commentate uh, all U.S. games amongst uh, other games as well. Um, 
And, and you know, look, I, I mean, I remember after the World Cup in Brazil when, you know, in the last game against Belgium, Timmy Howard had to make, I don't know, 16, yeah. 17 saves, basically stood on his head. Uh, uh, we were so very, very defensive against, you know, the golden generation of Belgians. But again, the whole tournament and, you know, for, for as long as I can remember, um, you know, it was a pretty defensive style. We we weren't uh, the sort of team that would stand up to teams. And there were exceptions. I think our team, 1994, would try to play and did play. I think the 2002 team uh, in uh, in the World Cup uh, in South Korea and Japan was a very good team that that, that was playing football. But mm -hmm. but as of late, you know, not 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 missing the World Cup, the previous World Cup, and just the style of play will you know, wasn't what uh, I think people are used to. American public is used to it, right? And in, in all the sports, you want to go out there, you want to show you the best, you don't want to be there just defending. So, mm -hmm. so going into that, I wasn't sure if that's going to happen. And I was so pleasantly surprised. I mean, in every game, U.S. outpossessed teams, even in that game against Holland, uh, although I think, you know, uh, Van Hal kind of made a good tactical decision and yeah. allowed U.S. to have the ball a little bit, but but still possessing the ball uh, against all the teams that they've played in, in such way uh, was very good. That's, that's progress. That's an incredible progress, and that's something that I think we all wanted. And now, as you said, it's a question of how, how do you build on that? Uh, the answer is, A, you know, assuming that there's going to be a change in, in a manager, you know, that's mm -hmm. going to be a very, very important choice because it's going to be someone that knows how to develop young players because that's the next step, isn't it? I mean, U.S. Mm -hmm. showed in Qatar that they can play. Also, we know that we had an issue with a number nine or lack of the number nine yep. of that central striker. I think, you know, the players are out there and maybe the players are, that, that were in Qatar, maybe there is a manager that can take that next step. And, and obviously, there is a great experience. I mean, this team was second youngest. And and probably would have been the youngest if it wasn't for Timmy Ream, who, who yep. had a great World Cup, was a late addition. What's he, 35 or 36? So that, <laughs> that average uh, went up uh, just a little bit. But it was a very young team. And and still, there's so many young young players that didn't go to the World Cup, but are playing tr their you know, trade in, in either MLS or, or in Europe with some good mm -hmm. clubs. So, so I think the future is bright. What does that mean? Again, I'm not sure. I think the f uh, foundation is there because now tactically this U.S. team was pretty good. Technically, as we've seen, a very good, great engine, you, as you've said, rightfully so, with Tyler Adams, uh, McKenney, you know, Smusa, and there's a number Musa, of players. Yeah. Helena Acosta, you know, and there's going to be other players uh, uh, coming in. Bren Brendan Aronson, who maybe didn't play as much as he wanted. Claudio Reyna, with all the issues we've had, we know how talented he is. He's showing that now in the Bundesliga, and we'll maybe even see it yeah. tomorrow against Chelsea, because he's been very, very good now that he's healthy and and set some time. So uh, it's good. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's not great, obviously, is that you don't qualify. It's good news that uh, U.S. is going to be involved in Copa America. So that's going to help. Some of yes. these tournaments would allow these players to play meaningful games against very good competition. Um, and, and as I've said, uh, we'll just wait and see in terms of a coach uh, who that's going to be because I, it's always a critical decision. But I think it needs to be someone that's, that's very good in developing, not just young players, but maybe taking a step in terms of attacking and, you know, and yes. how, to, how to do it, how to take that next step. So it's not just possession, but it kind of ends with, uh, with number of chances and goals being scored.
Uh, rumor here was that Zinedine Zidane had an opportunity to be the head coach of the U.S. team. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, my goodness, please let it happen. But, of course, it didn't end up panning out that way. Who would you like to see coach the U.S. team? You know, I, I've been asked this. I, I don't know right now. I, I, it really, you know, I mean, I think Alexi Lalas, I mean, you know, I've thought of him, but I just heard him recently, you know, mention Luis Enrique, which would be a pretty decent choice if you mm -hmm. wanted to. Uh, I think, as you all know, and your listeners probably uh, know as well right now there's a vacancy in the you know in the director of coaching or the general manager whatever you want to call it because you know uh, Ernie Stewart went back to Holland uh, also Brian McBride who was helping in that process uh, uh, is also no longer there so obviously they need to find that person first because that's the person that needs to pick and be responsible uh, for who he, who he picks. Uh, so I do agree that there's a little bit of time right now, but I also think and hope, and, and maybe I'm not on the same page as some that are saying, take your time. I would like to see a manager sooner rather, uh, sooner rather than, or I should say that part, I would like to see a coach and obviously okay. a, a person that's going to pick him sooner rather than later, but definitely before the summer, because as you know, Canada, you know, we're going to have the Nations League and Gold Cup. Mm -hmm. And those are two tournaments that a newcoming coach could actually see the players and the pool of players in, a turn in two tournaments that, that are meaningful. Absolutely. No, I'm so excited about the U.S. Of course, I'm excited about Canada as, as you know, someone who lives in Canada. But the U.S., like you said, they lack that number nine or even just a player during the World Cup who could take that quality shot on target and, and get them that goal. But I think that if they're able to add that, even that game against England, I was so impressed with the U.S. And I said that was almost that one component of the game that they were missing, that if they had, that they would have walked away from that game with with a win. So uh, I'm, I'm so excited to yeah, see, you know, by the way, that, you know, I, I looked at it. I remember, you know, calling the game and I felt that sometimes you rewatch a game as well because, you know, calling a live game, sometimes there are nuances that that, that escape you. But, you know, I, I don't I don't know if the U.S. is that far. I just think it, it takes confidence and a little bit of composure yeah. because that's what, that's what was missing. It, it's not. A, I mean, it's easy to say that they were missing the number nine. But what does that mean? It's not like U.S. is going to come up with, uh, you know, Karim Benzema, Lewandowski or Harry Kane who are automatically these. <laughs> positions but i think it's it's maybe lack of experience the final 100%. final pass was always an issue uh and and so so it's a little bit you know a confidence and composure and sometimes managers can take the existing players and create an environment where where you know they're, they're successful so the same players could have had you know different outcomes in that uh, but for whatever reason they maybe they just weren't ready for it just yet it could be could be that I completely agree. And, and again, I mean, I didn't play at your level, but I played on the junior team here in Canada and went to a junior world cup, but experience is huge for any athlete in any sport. And I say that about Canada because a lot of people say, Oh, Canada didn't even get a point. And I, remind them that not a single player on that team had ever been to a world cup. So now when you head into 2026, there's such a large opportunity to build on that experience and they have to, because now they've laid that foundation down of getting that experience and they have the talent, they have the players. Alfonso Davies is one of the best left backs in the world. Estacchio, you know, he, he was doing so well in the champions league right before the, the world cup, you know, Meg's Kevin De Bruyne in the game against Belgium. So just, so that foundation of experience, I think, is huge because it gives you the confidence to do things that you see some of the top footballers in the world doing. So I agree to that statement with the U.S. And that's why I'm just so excited about what this, the sport here in North America looks like going forward.
Yeah, it's a great opportunity for Canada. I know them well, played against them many times. As, as you know, I've, I've, you know, worked in Canada for TSN. And, um, you know, I, I think I did one game, trying to remember which one was Canada. Look, I mean, the start was tremendous against Belgium. I, I think, you know, yes. that, put, that put Canada on the map because of the, you know, the quality, how relentless they were. And, and, and you know, afterwards, even in the other games, they're not too bad. I, I think, you know, uh, your manager probably, you know, regrets some of the words because you know it's i mean you know this is not why they didn't they didn't you know win those games but you know eventually yeah you need that little bit uh, extra quality right i mean you know after a game like this all of a sudden everybody's kind of looking at canada and say wow we didn't expect this right so everybody started to pay attention you couldn't fly under the radar so there's always a positive and a negative mm-hmm. because nobody expected uh canada to play the way they played in that first game against belgium and all of a sudden the next two opponents are wait a second you know this is a real team and we know Jonathan David and Kyle Larian and then Taylor yep. Buchanan I mean there's a certain amount of quality I think Canada is sort of uh, in a situation that we were you know in 1994 right so now you know that World Cup in 94 was a catalyst for everything that happened everything good that happened in the United States in terms of soccer, the continuous uh, uh, development of the national team, uh, the emergence of Major League Soccer, a lot of money went into that, right? And and I think the U.S. soccer is benefiting from that. Uh, for Canada, this, mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, this past World Cup was kind of, you know, here we are, we can play this game, right? Because really, you know, 80 or 90% of the time, or 90% of the people didn't think that, right? Uh, and now being a co-host in that one, I think it's those four years are super important as well because mm-hmm. uh, it could be a catalyst for things to come in the future if if the four four years are not wasted and and uh, and and Canada go, goes from strength to strength. What, what I mean by that is yes, get the points. You know, you, you, there, there's a goal, so that's a good thing, right? The, the first goal was a uh, Fonzie, right? I think it was Fonzie. So yes. at least you can get that out of the way. People don't, you know, that narrative is out. Uh, but but I think it's going to be key four years. Uh, and it's good. It's good for this region. I've always said that even before the World Cup. Uh, you know, I mean, we have this banter between you know, the U.S. And, and, and Canada when we were players. You know, I don't ever remember losing to Canada. I think we won all the games. But it was always a, a tough game. Not one that, that I remember we look forward to, right? Because it was always physical and that extra uh, rivalry was there, but but I think for the development of Concacaf, and you know, it, it's it's massive because mm-hmm. on one hand you could say, well, yeah, we don't need another good team because that means we're always going to be there, right? The World Cup's bigger; everybody's going to be there anyway. But I think you know, the the comp- everybody gets better when you have tougher games within the region. So it's not Absolutely. just. It's not just about U.S. and Mexico, because that's what it used to be. And Costa Rica from time to time. Now you have Costa Rica. Now you have Canada that that comes in. I mean, uh, we can't forget that Canada did win uh, the World Cup qualifiers, right? Ahead of United uh, Mexico and United States. So <laughs> I think I think that's good for the region and for the teams in that region, because now you're adding another uh, competitive team yep. into it. Perfectly said. Okay, I'm going to ask you, ask you one last question, Janusz. Uh, my dad grew up, so I'm assuming you grew up watching the same Polish players, Kasperczak, Lubinski, Dana, Boniek. Uh, my dad used to show me tapes of how they played, and he lives in that era of Polish football. And what I've grown up with are talented players like Lewandowski and, and a few others, Zielinski. But 
there's such a disconnect with sometimes the players that you have and what we've seen in terms of quality. So what do you think this Polish national team now, who is now being run by Fernando Santos? So I'm curious to see what you think about Fernando Santos being hired to, to manage this team. But what's this Polish team need to do? To not only, you know, get into that round of 16 in the World Cup, because they accomplished that in Qatar, you know, it was the first time in what, 37 years. But for me, it wasn't enough because I didn't I didn't think that they played at well at all. Mm. There were some games that I were watching that I was like, this is painful. You know, right. it, it's not it's not good football. We, we, we're not utilizing the midfield. Krahoviak, no offense to Krahoviak, he, what what's he still doing there? And again, I say that respectfully, but what does Poland need to do to actually be a team that people from my dad's generation get excited to watch today? Well, I mean, one word comes in and it's more complicated than that. But, but you know, I would say be brave because that's, yeah. you know, the, the players are there. There's enough players to play differently, right? And and uh, I agree with you. I mean, it was a bad display for a team that came mm-hmm. out of the uh, uh, the group. Uh, it wasn't pretty, right? Uh, so so I think it's just mentality. And, and hopefully Fernando Santos brings that. We don't know that. We have to give him benefit of the doubt. He just got there this week, actually went to a couple of uh, uh, extra classa games, you know, met Robert Lewandowski yesterday in Barcelona. So obviously he's getting his feet wet. With, but I think you know it's a transition. It's a it's a little bit generational, and and you know I would kind of compare that a little bit to the U.S. And I, I've talked about being kind of defensive, not playing really uh, mm-hmm. good football. But you know bravery, because I think people confuse two things sometimes. Because people say, well, we need to play better. W- w- what does that mean, right? I mean, you have sure. the players that you have, and sometimes it's impossible. I mean, you know, if I say I I want. Poland to play much, much better football. I don't know if that's possible. I mean, some of these players can only do so much, right? But they can't, the attitude can be different. You could be braver. So we're not going to see, you know, uh, Zielinski dribbling through three, four or five players or Szymanski or some of the younger players because you have to come to that level. But you can be set out with a different attitude before the game and you can still dominate games without being technically superior, right? So that bravery, different way of thinking, different way of approaching games, you know, ahead of this World Cup, couple of players, including the coach, if I remember correctly, said, well, we're not going there to play good football. We're just going to get out. Well, that's good. And, you know, re, you know, this is a, well, I, I get that. And I give him credit because, I mean, sports about uh, are about results. But I think sports about results in a World Cup for maybe three or four or five countries, right? They're, they're the only ones that have a chance to win the World Cup. Everyone else, I would argue, is look if you're gonna go to the big dance every four years or every two years if you if, you know European Championships right you want to show your country you want to be remembered and unfortunately this Polish team is going to be remembered as one of the worst in this World Cup I mean you know I had people colleagues coming up to me saying why are you playing this way against Mexico or in Argentina uh, why are you not trying and, and look they're the world champions but you know in in the end I think. Olympics and World Cups, European Championships, in a way, is you kind of you advertise your country, you advertise your sport, and you want to show that, look, it's been so hard to get here. Poland didn't go to the big tournaments for 16 years. So when you finally get there, try to play a little bit. So that's what I mean about the change. Be braver. Uh, and I think if you're braver, sometimes you become a better player because some of these players, when they see that they have a chance in a game, all of a sudden maybe aren't afraid to do things that they were afraid to do before. I hope that makes sense. 
no, it makes complete sense. I actually didn't know that the head coach said that, you know, we're going in to uh, not play well just to get results. I, honestly, that mentality bothers me because maybe that's something that works when you go back to your domestic clubs for an individual. But like you said, when you're at the World Cup and you have Argentina in your group, you have to go out saying this is going to be the best game we ever played or you're going to get performances like we saw Poland give. I will say I was... Probably the at times in moments, maybe the most impressed with them against France, because I do feel like they tried a little bit to generate some type of attack. But again, it wasn't enough for me. And I might have been one of the only Polish fans on media because I, you know, I, I make my videos on, on TikTok and I got a lot of angry Polish fans saying that I don't support my team. And I actually it's the it's the opposite. I, I want this team to do so well, but it's time for them to start setting the bar a little higher, especially for Lewandowski, who we are now going to see him be one of the best number nines of, of at least my generation. And I think that he deserves more from that from that international football scene, because sometimes his name, unfortunately, gets brought into a conversation of, oh, Lewandowski doesn't do anything in the World Cup or the Euro Cup um, for his national team, but he's able to do it for Bayern or Barcelona. And that's sometimes the arguments I face. I just sometimes don't think he's be being utilized in the right way with the Polish national team. And I hope that that bar and that standard is set higher for Poland. I don't know if Fernando Santos is the guy to do it, but like you said, we need to give him a chance to kind of prove himself in that Polish program. I, for one, am happy that it's not a Polish coach. It's nice that Polish that the Polish Federation went outside to bring another coach in. It's something I haven't at least seen in a long time. So we'll see what happens with Poland. But I hope their mentality gets better because I agree with you, Janusz. They have to uh, be braver. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, as I said, it's not a, not a, not an easy process. That's for sure. Uh, I think uh, you know players will have to be responsible. I think we we can't be afraid to put responsibility on 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 Robert Lewandowski and Zielinski as well. I mean, they're le they're mm -hmm. the le they're great players. Uh, I I think I mean I understand the argument that you know playing for Napoli or playing for Barcelona or Bayern Munich previously obviously you're surrounded by better players which uh, which makes it easier for you so that that's a fact uh, you can't fight that but th that doesn't mean that it, it has to be an excuse right great leaders find a way and either mm -hmm. get through their teammates or getting through the managers or uh, finding a way to galvanize uh, uh, players that are around them so uh, there's a certain level that I suspect a team like Poland can can't go past it unless you know everything works perfectly but that's also not impossible because we saw it in and was it 2016 european championships this was a team that was very well organized this was a team that was you know lost to portugal uh in penalties even though i think yeah. they had a bad game and you know they weren't far away from being say in the final i mean who knows uh, uh so 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 it's possible but you know that spirit has to be there there's a certain level that i still don't think that team not just poland but teams like poland it's difficult to get past to uh, pass by, but but I I do believe that you know look I mean Fernando Santos obviously has won European Championships he's he's seen and he's worked with the best players in the world uh, yes. so he's got that experience and maybe there is something because to change that mentality he's not going to come in and find five players that all of a sudden we're going to say well <laughs> where did they come from uh, uh, that, right. that's what's going to happen. 
But I think, you know, at that level, when you meet only so many times in a year, that's why I want this team to be braver, to sell Poland in a different way. Because, I mean, you're only going to be there, play five, six, seven games a year or eight. I don't yeah. know how many. There's going to be less and less of them, obviously, right? Uh, uh, but But I'm hoping that with his vast experience playing at the highest level, winning highest trophies, and working with the best player, players he's going to be able to change some of the mentality and that goes a far that that goes a long long way because you know i've always said imagine you know let's take this team imagine if just the 11 players just the 11 players just the starting lineup gets better by one percent that's not a lot one percent i mean you're talking about 11 percent. that's a lot you know, and if, you know, so, so that, that, that's what I'm hoping for. And, and I'm being very realistic and in, in, in what the team can achieve. But again, uh, results matter. It's, it's going to matter that he gets to the European championships in Germany. So first couple of games are going to be maybe more about a result, right. Uh, yeah. than anything else, but then, you know, two teams qualified Czech Republic, Albania, first two games, Poland certainly capable of coming to that group. And if at some point after four or five games or four games there, it looks like everything's going well. That's what I'm hoping that uh, Fernando Santos is going to start introducing some younger players uh, into this team. So we see a different team in Germany. Super valuable perspective. You know, I, I appreciate hearing that because when I first heard of Fernando Santos, I'm like, oh, like, I don't know of, of all the guys right now. I wasn't quite sure on him, but you're right. He's managed, you know, some of the biggest names, the biggest players. He has that experience. Maybe that's exactly what Poland needs right now. So Janusz Michalik, thank you very much for your time. Well, maybe hopefully Poland has this incredible Euro Cup. They qualify. They they have this incredible run. We'd love to have you back on the show to talk about it. So just right now, thank you for your time time, your knowledge, your experience, your presence, everything that you gave to the show today. Dziękuję ci bardzo. Thank you. Yes, and, and yes, and we're we're rooting for you. My dad said that you come from uh, a really nice region of Poland. He said my my grandma did, wasn't born too far from there. So mm. Polish people appreciate you. And really again, like Polish I said, we have a power. <laughs> Polish power. You know, we always said that, Janusz, before you go, one thing that I love about our community of people, Polish people, is that you may meet them for the first time randomly and it's like they're just the nice you you feel like you've known each other forever and and i think that's one of the most special parts about being polish in our community and our people and again we have a lot of listeners on kicked back that are polish so they're going to going to really enjoy yeah your insights and and that i got to speak with you today so thank you thank you very much and hopefully we talk soon sounds good thank you very much and thanks for having me on thank you thank you